Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Premier League podcast here on FanRag Sports. My name is Sebastian Noren and with me is Polly Quistel and Elliot Niblock. And we've just wrapped up a pretty interesting weekend here in the Premier League. So we'll talk about some of that stuff and look ahead at the return legs in the Champions League. So with Tottenham beating Bournemouth 4 nothing, and Manchester United beating Chelsea 2 nothing. We now only have a four-point gap at the top of the table. And I'm glad you didn't say, but we have a title race because we don't. Well, I was going to come to that. I was going <laughs> to ask you guys, do we? is the title race back on? No. I mean, I'm Polly and I are both profoundly biased in this because polly has been saying for months that the title race is over. And so he has a vested interest in saying there's no title race. And as an Arsenal fan, I don't want to even believe that Arsenal could not only miss on the top four and Tottenham win the Premier League in the same season. So I have a vested interest in saying no. But nonetheless, I think, yeah, yeah, we do. Tottenham are a dark, dark horse. They're a far, far long shot. But it's, you know, even even the races in which it's... uh. You know, a thoroughbred against a limping three-legged dog is still a race. True. It's like the marathon's still being run, but Chelsea are out ahead and they're going to come to the finish line first. I mean, if you look at their last games here to close out the season, uh, they play Tottenham in the FA Cup uh, semifinal here next weekend, but... uh, they in the league they got Southampton, Everton, Middlesbrough, West Brom, Watford, and Sunderland. So it's not a very intimidating run of fixtures. Uh, whereas Tottenham, I don't know exactly who they have left. Let me look real quick. They play United, that's for sure. They have Crystal Palace, Arsenal, West Ham, Manchester United, Leicester, and Hull. It's a little trickier. Especially that derby against Arsenal. Yeah, uh, they should I mean, win that. <laughs> yeah, they they should, but then again, they also should have finished ahead of Arsenal last season, and they didn't. So I'm not saying that this year's Arsenal are half as strong as Arsenal were down the stretch a year ago, but nonetheless, it's still. It's kind of a platitude to say that anything goes in a derby match, but nonetheless, I think that mm, it, that's not as much of a gimme as it might be all of the things considered given the talent and form of these two teams. Yeah, I mean, Tottenham, they've come on strong here as of late. They, you know, just piling up the wins here, but it might just be a little bit too late for them to catch Chelsea, even though Chelsea now has two losses in their last five league games. Uh, Polly, let's go back in time to that 2 nothing Manchester United win over Chelsea here on Sunday. Uh, what were your impressions of the game and uh, what did you make of the starting lineup for the home side? Yeah. That was my impression of everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I was, uh, like the end result, I was pleasantly surprised. But this whole situation 
is what Jose Mourinho has turned this team into. Because let's set the table. It's an April afternoon. You know, there's how many games left? Six, seven? Six. Like, what do we got here? Six games left. We're playing, we're playing one of our biggest rivals over the last 15 years in Chelsea at home. Uh, it's our managers playing against his old team. Not that that ever uh, used to happen because we had one manager, but you know, for all intents and purposes, this should have been an unbelievable game. This should have been a game that you know you wake up all day Sunday and you're just waiting for it, or you're waiting for it all weekend. I had stuff to do Sunday morning, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to get out early so that I could be home in time for this game. But if I'm not home in time, you know, if I come home 15 minutes like late or something, I was like, I'll live. And then I shoot you guys a text, and Seb, it, we're in the 27th minute, and Seb is like, yeah, I'm just getting home now. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and that I've... just summed up <laughs> everything. Was it was if I if I found myself that... at a bar, I would have gone to it. But I was just like, yeah, I'm I'm drinking wine and it's nice outside, so yeah, whatever. Right. So like for the average fan, this wasn't a must see game anymore. And for the United fan, it wasn't even like a I like if if you gave me this game, you know, five years ago, I'm I'm sitting on my couch at ten o'clock watching the entire pregame show because I just I wouldn't be able to wait for this game. And this was all right, cool. I made it home in time for the game. But if I didn't, all right, I would have missed a little bit. And Seb, you know, he missed some of it. And it was just like, who cares? And then it was like, we won. Cool. I was going to say, I had a legit reason, though. I was driving someone to the airport. <laughs> Otherwise, I would right, not have like, missed, it, just, missed it. it. It just showed. I mean, like, I had a know, legit reason was... I was uh, at the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> It, That's a it's just show, like like when we won the game, it was like okay, cool, we won. Like there was no like, you know, I used to remember these big games where we won, and it's like I walk around with a huge smile on my face all day because I was like, oh, that was awesome. This was, yeah, I'll just mm -hmm. keep living my life now. Yeah, but do you and, think and that? And that's the problem. It's, but they, it's they, the problem they is dominated it, though. They dominated. They dominated. Like, it was, it was right. better than just that. You're right. No, you're right. They dominated the game. They played fantastically. But it's hard to get excited about a team. Where, where you know, like, okay, cool, we just destroyed Chelsea, and now when, you know, bring Southampton in here next week, and we'll, we won't be able to score against them. Mm. It was, it was nice no, that... No, I, I, your point is well taken. I totally agree. It, it's, it's hard to get excited when you know, like, okay, and then next week we'll drop points against someone crappy, and we're still going to be sitting in sixth place. Um, you know, that like, that's just the reality of it. It's, we can't move out of this spot in the table I do wish that you know we, this game had happened earlier in the season and, and Jose Mourinho could have seen the fact that like hey you have a good enough squad that you can rotate it every so often and still win games yeah he went with uh, a, maybe went with a three maybe if he had done one. that a bit more maybe if he had done that a bit more during the season we'd have fresher legs and fresher players and we'd be winning games in the league not just in the Europa League yeah yeah, maybe converted some of those ugly draws to wins. But, yeah, they sit in fifth place. They're four points behind Manchester City with a game in hand, and they still have to play Manchester City. So it's still up to United right. to the, get the in the top four. The ball is still in their court. Yep. <laughs> the ball's still in their court. I just have no faith in them doing it, and I'm, I'm glad that, that Mourinho kind of rested his players and prioritized um, the Europa League, although I don't really know how many players he rested. He rested Carrick, who 
who knows if he's a starter these days. Mm-hmm. And he rested Zlatan, who, like, as I always say, when was the last time he scored a, a league goal at home? So, you know, maybe he was just trying to, to juggle something up there, and, and it worked by playing Marcus Rashford down the middle. He played a different – he played tactically. He played a really weird formation that was really effective. Yeah, it was sort of a 3-5-2 where Herrera was just man-marking Aiden Hazard throughout the whole game and uh, did that well. I mean, right. It looked more like a 4-3-2-1 where that one was like <laughs> Herrera was somewhere on the field. Yeah. One with an asterisk. Usually on the right side, and then Antonio Valencia was kind of playing right back and right wing. Yeah. And Ashley Young was on the left side being pretty useless, and Fellaini was in the middle just fouling people. That sounds kind of par for the course. Yep. What's what's crazy is in the last two weeks, Fellaini and Ashley Young have worn the armband, and we've won two games. Yeah, like, those two scary. people should never be wearing it. Like, they should never have been signed by Manchester United. True, we both agree on that. Um, do you want to say anything about Spurs' win? I mean, they're just... Banging in the goals here. There's four, another four nothing win. They're the form team in the league. Yeah, I mean they're they're in the best form out of everybody, and and that's the thing is if that continues, then yeah, maybe we could get a title race or something. But yeah, but it's it, I mean it's that it's down the stretch and they're making a push, and they might they might fall away. Uh, but that's I the thing. That how I many times away, but... you know? How many times in the last few years have they? Have they done this, and then you get to the down the stretch part, and the push stops? You know, like last year. You mm-hmm. know, they they draw yeah, that game well, against I mean, Chelsea, and all of a sudden they fall apart. And and the year, all the years before, when it's like they're making a push for the top four, and then down the stretch they fall, they wilter and, and die. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I hope they wilter and die, but it's <laughs> it's still uh, it, it's it's still it's not a wide open race, but. They've they've like driven a wedge of light into it, and I I don't think that you can say at this point that Chelsea are running away with it. They you know yeah. I mean, we should also make a note of that Vincent Johnson actually scored in this game. Again, he's uh, so, two in two games now. Two goals I mean, in twenty four appearances. They've played fourteen games in twenty seventeen. Fourteen league games in twenty seventeen. And they've won um, 11. Not many other teams can say that. Plus, let's add in, they played four FA Cup games. They've won all of those. Um, and then they played uh, a Europe, two Europa League games where they lost one and drew one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they go on finish second, win the FA Cup, I still think it's it would be a great season for them. They have something really. They still have a team that can develop and go even further. So uh, Pochettino, he's done a great job, and you got to see Tottenham as a legit title contender now. And this this just goes to show you how important the start of the season is. Mm-hmm. The start of the season and getting that top spot by Christmas because, you know, nobody's playing better than Tottenham. They've won one, two, three, four, five, six. They've won seven in a row. And... Yeah, they've cut it down to four points, but we're still sitting there going, yeah, but are they going to catch? Like, we still don't even know if they're going to catch Chelsea, and no one's playing better than them. Mm-hmm. That's how big of a lead Chelsea built themselves. At the, no, at the that's, I mean, the that's, that's the thing is that nobody's playing better than them because 
Chelsea built that huge lead, but they're starting to falter. And I, you, we talk a lot about history on this podcast, and frequently, yeah, it does repeat itself, but it's, it, it is an indicator of trends and not an arbiter of the future. And there is no reason why Chelsea can't mount a Tottenham-like collapse and Tottenham can't overtake them for the title. Like, right now, that that is a, a long-shot bet, but it seems shockingly and, from my perspective, terrifyingly believable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I saw some bookies already paying out on Chelsea winning the league. Well, oh, yeah, that's totally. a dumb bookie. Totally. That's a dumb bookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liverpool, they sit in third, 66 Unless points. Unless you're taking a buyout. Yeah, you could I, be doing that. Could be. Well, of course they're taking a buyout. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Liverpool, they sit in third, 66 points. Uh, Roberto Firmino scored the lone goal in their 1-0 win over West Brom. And then we got Manchester City in fourth with 64 points after they spanked Southampton 3-0. Vincent Company scored in that one. You know, you predicted a draw in that one? Like, that's an eyebrow raiser. Yeah. Well, I mean, I the thing is that I can't just even go with the same picks as you guys I in order to catch up yeah I'm, I guess that makes yeah. sense so it's like I'm, you know it is what it is we even, all had a even if I week, even if I go like perfect down the stretch here I'm still not gonna catch up um, so you're like Tottenham right now maybe maybe yeah we'll see what happens down at the bottom though uh, Sunderland they got one point as they drew 2-2 against West Ham uh, Middlesbrough they lost 2-1 against Arsenal here today on Monday Hard-fought loss, though. They really made Arsenal work for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, wait, before we before we ask Elliot, yes. I have a question for you, For pretty much for Elliot. Was this the first time uh, in, like, Premier League history where the fan bases of all 20 teams were all rooting for the same club, and in this case, that club was Middlesbrough? Mm, I mean that's that's hard for me to say across the board, <laughs> but I, I, I feel mean, like I, I feel like the rivals, all the top four rivals, you know, they're rooting for Middlesbrough to see Arsenal, you know, bow out of that. You know, you got your Middlesbrough. Uh, I guess the relegation teams aren't rooting for Middlesbrough. Yeah, but everybody yeah, else no, would have been Swan- like, they're probably yeah, just Swansea, for the dumpster fire. Swansea is praying for Arsenal in that one. Yeah. Everybody else was rooting for the dumpster fire at Arsenal to continue, and Arsenal fans might have been rooting for Middlesbrough because, uh, yeah. No, we, no, we all know why. And, and that's a bit, no, but you, like. Did we lose that? Hey, there we go. But any, any Arsenal fan. We, any we just Arsenal missed fan, everything that you just said. You're going to have What's to restart that? that. I said we missed everything that you said. Well, the, 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 the barometer at the bar that we watched the match at in Paris suggests that you were right insofar as almost anyone who is a fan of the league is cheering against Arsenal. Yeah. But nonetheless, I any Arsenal fan who cheers for the team to lose because their preference for what the board does is woefully misguided. And, and they're woefully misguided in, in a number of ways because I, I think, first of all, it, it's wrong no matter what. Like, if you're doing that, then you need to reevaluate for your priorities in terms of 
why you're a fan of sports in general, right? It, like that, that just, it blows my mind. And second of all, beyond just, like, like beyond that algamine, if you're doing that at Arsenal Football Club, then you have way too much faith in the board to do what they think is going to make Arsenal Football Club win because they've already clearly made it, met, just totally manifestly obvious that their priority, at least Stan Kroenke's priority, is profit above all else. Mm -hmm. And that means that if this club can lose, they could lose out and Arsene Wenger could still get his contract renewed. And if you're cheering against a club that you pretend to love, then... I don't it's just it, it boggles my mind. It boggles my mind. Did you see a lot of kids put, running around with Giroux jerseys? No, very no. few. Uh, yeah, I mean it's you can't you should never root against your team. Bottom line. Right. And yeah, and I absolutely. and it happens it happens in American sports all the time because you have the draft and I still hate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah. know, like in the NFL when everybody's like, Oh, we should lose this game so we get a better pick and I'm like if you think in a 53-man roster in the NFL that the you know the eighth pick rather than the tenth pick is gonna you know turn your team around, you are severely misguided. Like it's well, one and- player, and he's untested. And this is and I went through very something very similar last year uh, with Louis Van Gaal because I was you know I was never gonna root against the team, but I didn't want him coming back. I, I didn't want another year of of watching boring boring matches. So it's a it's an awkward situation. It's you know, you root for the team to hopefully play entertaining that day and hopefully get a win. And if they lose, you're kind of just unbothered. Yeah. But like the the thing is that even I, I agree with you, Paulie, but in the NFL, the cheering against your team, at, le- at least that's based on a surefire manifest metric of how you finish equals what your draft pick is. And in in terms of the English Premier League, you're cheering against a club in hopes that the board chooses to fire the manager. And with Manchester United, I think that it's clear that you know a lot of people are against the Glazers, but nonetheless, there's more ambition there. And it, with Arsenal Football Club particularly, there's there's no reason to cheer against the team because there is no evidence that no matter how bad they do. Do they want to change course because they just want to keep making more money and they're going to keep making more money with Arsene Wenger? Yeah. Back towards the bottom of the table here, Swansea picking up or picking up. They lost one nothing against Watford. So they have four losses and one draw in their last five. So after an initial little bump there, after Paul Clement came in, they are struggling now. They are two points behind Hull, who said just above the drop. They lost three to one to Stoke. Um, and it's been a, it's been a sort of a weird little weekend here. Everton picking up another well, win too, we should say three to one over Burnley. It's been the, the, it's been what we've seen all season. The relegation battle has remained close, uh, partially because no one is making a move out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the the informed <laughs> team amongst the bottom sides is Crystal Palace, and they're in great form. Yeah, they are now seven points above the drop. Yeah, I mean they're 
That's pretty much out. With six games left, they're pretty yeah. much out. Uh, give the, give, give them another Sam. win, and they should be safe. Well, they play Liverpool away this week, so that's not no. But Burnley at home, Man City away. Okay, that's a tough one. Hull at home. That's a big game, mm-hmm. second to last game of the season. So that by then you, they should have clinched already. And then if they haven't clinched already, they go on the final day of the season. They go to Old Trafford, where you're pretty much guaranteed a point. <laughs> yeah, and I mean we're really coming down to it here. We'll, we'll have, you know, we got next weekend, uh, basically a regular schedule almost. Besides that, um, FA Cup semifinals. We have one game on Tuesday, but. Then Wednesday we got a couple of catch up games. We got a catch up game on Thursday. So games are coming fast and furious here now. Yeah, they, like they're playing a Manchester derby on a Thursday. It's weird. Yep. Yeah, that's a three p.m. kickoff. Oh, and United's running. Uh, next week we play Burnley away, then home to Swansea. So both right there, you're looking at like two points out of those two games. Away to Arsenal, away to Spurs. Those are tough games. Home to Crystal Palace, which is another point. That's, yeah, good, good. You better win the Europa League because we're not finishing in the top four. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, this, at least this win over Chelsea can give the fans some hope. I know it doesn't give Polly hope, but he is a pessimistic man. That's okay. Um, I'm a Mets fan. <laughs> yeah. So they've broken you, basically. Don't you want to meet the Mets? Yeah. So we'll see here. But, uh, yeah, a lot of good things to look forward here to down the stretch. Uh, let, let's look ahead, though. Again, we got the Champions League uh, quarterfinals replay or re – what do you say? Second leg. Uh, it's the second leg. It's yes. not a replay. The no, first leg will still count. <laughs> yes. I'm thinking re- the return games. Uh, so Leicester taking on Atletico at King Power Stadium and Real Madrid going up against Bayern Munich. That's your Tuesday matchups. Uh, Leicester, you know, they're down one nothing after that first game down in Spain. Wrongly awarded penalty. Uh, thanks a lot, Jonas Eriksson. Um, can I mean, can they pull this one out somehow? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're they're in they're in not surefire pole position, but they're still in nonetheless great shape, all things considered. They're going to be missing West Huth and. Uh, Robert Huth and West Morgan. Yeah. Uh, that's less great shape. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing, though. They're, like, yeah, one nothing is not a bad position to be in, especially when you're looking at these two teams. It's it's not unrealistic for Leicester to pull out a one no win and have this thing go to extra time and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, but West Morgan know, and Robert Huth are, like, two of their linchpins. For so sure. you're looking right, at... Right, but Atletico Madrid also don't attack, so... Yeah, so you're looking at a central defensive pairing of Ben Aluane and Ben Shilwell. Yeah, I mean, we're not looking at anything that, uh, that excites you, but when you check the team sheet and you see Fernando Torres on it and you check what year it is and it's anything past the year 2009, you get less scared. (laughs) He said, I mean, he's had like a real mild Renaissance. Yeah. Right. He like every so often comes up with a goal, like either a nice goal or like a clutch goal. And you're just like, Oh, Fernando Torres is still 
you know, something that exists. It's like kind of like when Fabian Delph every once in a while starts for Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I would not trust him. I would not want him to be like my starting striker. I would be terrified if I were Atletico Madrid and you're looking at next season when, when Antoine Griezmann leaves and you're like, uh, what do we do now? Um, Win every game one nothing. Uh, we have for, that's what they do with Griezmann. Yeah. yeah, but that's that's the thing is, we we keep looking at Atletico Madrid as like, oh, Leicester are down one nothing. Yeah, they can reverse this because we always look, we just always seem to look past Atletico Madrid as because they're not that dangerous going forward. It's 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 almost like we always yeah, but they're an, they're that, an elite side when it comes to the defensive game. I can see them just shutting exactly, this one down exactly. and playing zero zero. That's which is why it's wrong of us to just keep forgetting them. Yeah. Well, I just feel with the way that Leicester were able to come back against Sevilla, I'm just I'm just wondering if they can do it again. Cuz I I would almost say that it's it would be a bigger upset if they went and or it would be if they would go and beat Atletico Madrid 2-0 in this one than it was beating Sevilla with 2-0. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but the thing is that at home, at, at, at the King Power, they can do it. And they've already shown that they can beat solidly defensive teams. And I think that, I mean, I think that we all know that especially last season's Leicester City was better at hitting teams on the counterattack because they were pressing high up the pitch because they thought that, we're oh, we're playing Leicester City, so we don't have to worry and they were able to find that space in behind more easily. Yeah. Um, but it, it's again, they're they're a clear underdog and rightfully so. But it's not unthinkable that they hit Letty for two and make it into the semifinals wow. of the Champions God. League. Yeah, I mean Jamie Vardy's you know he's got a decent scoring record here now. Um, Eleven goals in twenty nine games. Better than in the Van Nistelrooy in some ways. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they did drop a 2 nothing lead here against Crystal Palace over the weekend. Um, although I don't think that will affect them in any way, shape, or form. He has 13 goals on the season. Yep. One in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. He would probably love to make that two or three. So we'll see what they do. Atletico, what did they do in their last game? But he's on oh, he's on great form though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got, ever since Shakespeare he's got four took goals over. in his last five games. Yep, four in the last five uh, in the Atle- league. Yeah, Atletico Madrid they beat Osasuna three nothing in their last game uh, after two goals by Yannick Carrasco and one by Felipe Luis. So they can win with more than one nothing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, teams do that sometimes, but. And they sit you know, in third. Of... They sit in third in La Liga. They are some I... uh, some ways behind. Uh, they're ten points behind Real Madrid and seven points. They're behind just Barcelona. taking up their normal their normal place in La Liga. That's all they're doing. Yeah. But did you guys see? This is something that I have a lot of respect for, and it reminds me actually of comments that Roy Hodgson made when he was still manager of Fulham. Uh, in in a different respect. So when he was still but, respectable, y- yeah, okay, you can say that, but that's a whole other can of worms. But um, so Diego Simeone said he 
he disagrees with the away away goal tiebreaker. And I I mean I agree with him entirely, but he did so in the position where he has the most to gain from it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like like Atletico Madrid are in a fantastic position because of that tiebreaker rule. And this is the moment in which he says, like, yeah, you know, like, I don't, people tell me, why is this, I ask people, why is this better? And nobody gives me a straight answer. Nobody tells me exactly why this is good. And and for Roy Hodgson, I believe, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but it had to do with qualification for the Champions League and the Europa League, rather, and, you know, mid-table clubs in England. And I remember him responding kind of like, well, how do you want me to respond to this based on my position? Because clearly I stand to benefit from this. And he kind of, I mean, it was a little bit of apophasis, but in general he abstained from the question saying it would be better to have this conversation not with someone who's managing a club that stands to gain from it. And this was something that I had a lot of respect for, that Diego Simeone said, no, and now is the time for me to say, I disagree with this rule. I'm, I, I always want my club to win. I always want my club to go forward. But even though we might benefit from it, then nonetheless, I disagree with it, you know, as fundamentally, regardless of the fact that we might be poised to benefit from it in this instance. Yeah, but I feel like if you're going to scrap the away goal rule, you basically should go down to playing one game. No, no. Why? That's, How do you decide who gets the game then? Yeah, exactly. No, it, it still has to be two games. But I, I just... the, It seems to be a weird way of legislating away home field advantage which if both teams play a home game then that's already a level playing field in theory and yeah okay maybe it's harder to play at Camp Nou or Old Trafford than it is at a 25,000 seat stadium in Anderlecht in Belgium but nonetheless like that Okay, tough titties. Tough titties. There we got the headline of the week. Tough titties. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's going to be my final thought also. Yeah, tough titties, okay. So, Real Madrid, they have a two... <laughs> Had a break. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah, no. Let's just, just leave it at that. Uh, Real Madrid, they are up 2-1 to one after they got that away win over Bayern Munich. Two goals by Cristiano Ronaldo. He's up to 100 goals now in UEFA club competitions. Congrats. Can they just close this one out at home, or do you? Does any one of you think that Bayern Munich is going to come roaring back here and knock Real out of the competition? No, it sucks, but they're not going to. I think. I mean, Real—they're so good in this competition. They always seem to find a way. It's real. I actually—I'm starting to think that they're going to be the first team to win it twice, and that just so infuriates me. Especially if they win it three out of four years. And especially because Ronaldo's already infuriated us in the gap between them by winning the ugliest European championships in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Well, he managed his way to do that. Yeah. Managed yeah. He didn't win that. Yeah. But he did take his no. shirt off. Yeah. He exactly. found a way to take oh his shirt God. off. He I got a very <laughs> he got a very ugly statue. 
Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That seems like a weird way of karma, just being like, he looks like the like a weird blend of all of the bad things about Salvador Dali plus Who Framed Roger Rabbit cartoon version of him turned into a bronze bust. Yeah, that was... The statue, the statue should just be abs. No yes. face, yep. no body, just abs. <laughs> just abs. There we go. Yeah, real coming yeah, except out. with like, like jerseys strewn about so you know that he recently took them off to show you. <laughs> yes, yep. Uh, Real coming off a 3-2 victory on the road against Sporting Gijón after two goals by Isco and one by Morata. And uh, Bayern Munich are doing what they do in the Bundesliga, although they only got a scoreless draw on the road against Bayer Leverkusen here over the weekend. That's a tough game, though. Get, give them some slack. They also still have the Bundesliga wrapped up, so... Yeah, pretty much. They... Um, how many games do they have left in the Bundesliga? Not many. Probably got six. Five. five or six. Yeah, they got five left and they got eight point lead. So yeah, I could there I can say that that is over. Although I do feel yeah. like the big story there is RB Leipzig sitting in second place as newcomers. Right. That is amazing. That was the only thing that prevented Bayern from winning the title back in November. Yep. Yeah, they man, they had a good start. Then on Wednesday, it's time for uh, Monaco against Borussia Dortmund and Barcelona against Juventus. Um, you know, with the whole attack on the Dortmund bus, it was a weird feeling. The match got postponed one day. Monaco went out. They grabbed a 3-2 win. Do you, Pauli, I mean, you follow Dortmund quite closely. Do you think that this is still something that is in the back of the minds of the players? Of course. It's definitely in the back of their minds, but it's still definitely a winnable game when you're as good of a team as Dortmund is. They are one of the most talented teams in Europe. They're inexperienced, and that inexperience has shown time and time again this year. But it's definitely a winnable game. The issue is, is that, like I said before, when we always seem to just discount Atletico Madrid because they don't score... Everybody seems to discount Monaco. Monaco's going to win this game. It's like, whether it's a high-scoring game or not, and it probably is, yeah. uh, and the, the, the over-under being three and a half, that seems a little bit too low for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like that the over-under in the first game over was under a little bit to- too low. Total, go- total goals, you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet the over in the first game and won that. Uh, and it still seems a little bit low. Uh, Monaco's a really good team, and they have a really, really, really good striker who just doesn't stop, who hasn't stopped scoring goals. Yeah. Um, in, in Mbappe. Mm-hmm. So, while while yes, Dortmund are good enough to reverse this, it's we're we're discounting Monaco a bit too much. I mean, I would say that they're. I would go with Monaco too. I would go with Monaco even before this matchup. Right. They, I'm saying that the the story the story seems to be like can Dortmund the story whenever you talk about this game seems mm. to be yeah, framed no. Dortmund reversed the fixture and everybody says well they can yeah, it'll yeah. be difficult but they can and and nobody's really saying like guys Monaco might be the better team here and mm-hmm. they might just destroy yeah. them no it. no exactly you're, you're exactly right that the the conversation is Dortmund as protagonist can they turn it around and not is this uh you know the the beginning of the rise of Monaco and I think that Monaco is the rightful favorite, not just because, like, not just. They're on... not favored. Monaco are not favored. They should, but they should be. 
I mean, that's the thing. But like to your point, though, right, is that everybody's talking about Dortmund turning around and Dortmund have had a good year. They're a strong team. But Monaco have had a better year. I'm not sure that they're a stronger team, but they're a team in better form. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've scored 90 goals in the league in 32 games. They have a three-point lead over PSG. So they might be well on their way to win their first league title in over a decade. Um, they took a 2-1 to one win over Dijon over the weekend. Uh, no goal from Mbappe, but Dirar and Falcao scored. So even when Mbappe isn't finding the back of the net, they, they find a way. Uh, Dortmund... What did they do over the weekend? They beat Eintracht they won 3-1. Frankfurt. They like destroyed them. Yep. They destroyed them. Royce Socrates uh, Papatolopoulos, or whatever his name is. He had a sensational goal. Yep. And he then uh, Abameyang really nice with another one too. So, um, yeah, I mean, and Marco I th- Royce. I th- yeah, Marco Royce, back from injury. Assisted too, right? by assisted by that American kid, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Pulisic having a very good season here. Breakout year, right? Breakout season. Wait, yeah, his name's Freddie Adu, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, God. Is uh, it a break? <laughs> like, I don't know if it's a breakout season. Because, like, yeah, he's playing really, really well. But, like, if you break it down to numbers compare and compare it to the rest of his team, he's not that good. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how many yeah. goals Dortmund score. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then we got Barcelona, Juventus. Juventus pummeled Barcelona in the first leg, took a 3-0 win at home, and now Barcelona are up against the ropes again and need to pull out another miracle out of their butts. I mean, I, I would say that 3 nothing, being down 3-0 against Juventus is more difficult than being down 4 nothing against PSG. That's for sure. It is. It is for sure, but here's so like here's here's the crazy part, is we were, as we were just talking Monaco Dortmund Monaco not favored in that game, Barcelona are heavily favored mm-hmm. in this game against Juventus. Juventus are big time underdogs. Yep. I mean, I can see them winning one nothing. I can see them winning two nothing. I can see them winning two. Yeah, runs. I can see them winning by a goal or two. Yeah, it's hard to see them scoring by so much though. Yep. Yeah, I, I definitely don't see them going through. No. Juventus are well, yeah, Juventus defensively. Are massively favored to go through. <laughs> they're, I believe they're at like minus 700 to go through. Yeah. Ooh, that's, I mean, but like, that that's a bet I might take. I wouldn't. Like, what are you winning there? Yeah, minus 700 Barcelona plus 475. Yeah, no. Yeah, so we'll That's see. not even like a good, those aren't even good enough odds for me to, to like, for me to like bet on Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Juventus coming off a 2 nothing win over Pescara, Gonzalo Higuain with both goals. So you got Higuain and Dupala in fine form. Uh, Barcelona, what did they do over the weekend? They did as much as uh, beating Real Sociedad with 3-2. to two. Lionel Messi scored twice in that one. I mean, it, it, it's going to have to be one of those Messi shows, like he scores a hat-trick or something. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. It's... Uh, they, uh, we've spoken about this before. They have problems in their team. They already, it's already established that the manager is leaving after the season, and they got some defensive weaknesses. I mean, they do have the best attacking trio in the world, but you still got to be able to defend. 
So Juventus yeah, you should can't pull do that. through. Yeah, Juventus should pull through. We'll see. We'll see. And then any just... non-goal scoring shot to hit the post or crossbar minus one forty. Like who bets that? <laughs> and why is it favored? Why is it favored? Can you bet on who gets oh, yeah, the I first bet you, corner? I bet you. I bet you. You probably can, dude. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's the bet I want to do. Who gets the no? First you quarter. you definitely can bet on that. You can win. You can bet on who wins a coin toss. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's true. Then uh, my 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 site might not have it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll go uh, Manchester United Anderlecht to to close things out here. One one after the first leg. Now it turns back to Old Trafford. Uh, Pauly, do you, do you think that Slatan will be back in the starting lineup on on Thursday? Yes, and they'll win. Okay. Oh yeah. They'll, they'll win handily. Cool. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm going to be cheering for Anderlecht, but they'll, they'll win will. handily. Of course you will. I mean, I I got to give a shout out to my friend Werner because he gave you know he gifted me a ticket to see that game. So I've I've been an Anderlecht fan long before this this tie, but um, realistically, at Old Trafford, Anderlecht go into it with their pride intact and they did well, but. Without such a question, you know. <laughs> yeah. They're going to struggle. Okay, let's do our final thoughts here before we sign off. Uh, I'm going to touch upon Jan Franco Sola, who uh, retired or retired, resigned as Birmingham manager after their latest defeat here. And um, Sola was a phenomenal player. He was a lot of fun to watch, even though he played for Chelsea. Uh, he, he was just a magical player. But as a manager, he has been pretty horrible. He managed West Ham, had a win percentage of 28.75. He was with them for about a year and a half, a little bit over. Then he had Watford for about uh, eight months. No, I can't count. Um, 15 months. Had a win percentage of 44%. You know, decent, I guess. Then Cagliari, just 10 games. Uh, 20%. Then he went to Al-Arabi. Was there for about a year. 38.46%. Only 26 games in charge. But then Birmingham. He took over in December of last year. Now he resigned in 24 games with Birmingham. Just guess how many wins he picked up. Uh, four? No. Polly? Three? No. Two. Two wins, eight draws, <laughs> and 14 defeats. A win percentage of 8.33%. It just goes to show, even though you were a great player, you don't always become a great manager. Cough, cough, Patrick Vieira, cough, cough. Ah, we'll see. I mean, he's the the chosen one at Arsenal, right? No way. I mean, he's he's not been doing fantastic at NYCFC. <laughs> one more year with Wenger and then Vieira. You can bring in Freddie Jungberg too. Meh. <laughs> Meh. <laughs> he was actually uh, managing their under 15th or something like that. He went over to Germany now, though. Yeah, no, but that's fine. You manage the youth squads. That's fine. Yeah. That's great. Elliot, your final thought. Please don't tell me it's tough titties. Uh, no, it's not tough titties. <laughs> Although, uh, I mean, that seems to be 
perhaps not the most graceful, but a nonetheless illustrative metaphor for the path of Arsenal these days. I mean, Arsenal switched to three at the back, which <sighs> Arsene Wenger in his post-game press conference said he thought it gave them stability when they did that. But it just, it seems like, I don't know, it, it, it seems like the last kid in school to change fashion to be like, oh yeah, don't worry guys, now I'm wearing Jinko jeans. Well, now we're all wearing skinny jeans, so don't worry about it. It's it just it yeah, it kind of works. It kind of works. What's Jinko jeans? Oh, uh, that's and that's that's maybe uh, <laughs> a late nineties. Yeah, it's those really baggy fashion. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, I think we call <laughs> them like his... the pair of jeans that you wear. That uh, it, and also there's a contraction there. It's J N C O. Okay, but yeah, um, I, I basically three switching to three at the back seems to be a common thing. Which you know something that we've talked about, as Pauly says, center backs are kind of the dinosaurs that are dying out in the world. And without a solid back four, maybe going to three at the back works. Personally, I think that it would have been better to bring Per Murgesacker back into the team and stick with four at the back. I mean, we still eked out a win, but we by by no means did we look solid at the back. And this, you know, three at the back just seems like, okay, well, you know, it's working for other teams. Let's try it. And then Wenger wants to quickly say, "Oh yeah, no, we're we like we seemed much more sound now that we changed this." And it it seems to me like a panic button for him. Yeah. And it's just it's another again I, I, the the more vitriolic parts of the Arsenal fan base who are adamant about Wenger out, I disagree with, but I nonetheless feel that it really is his time. And despite the victory, I'm happy to have three points, but kind of the way in which it happens and his response to it just seems to me another brick in the wall of he's got to go. Shout out to Brad Guzan to got to start in this one for Middlesbrough. Yeah, and he had a good match too. Yep. Okay, Paulie, take us home. Uh, first of all, I don't know if he had a good match. That free kick was like... I mean, it was a really nice free he kick. He couldn't do anything on that. Zan was just well, at his... and staring at it. That's yeah, here, his, here his nor there. Either, either here nor there. Well, yeah, that's his positioning was bad, which which he does on free kicks Brad, all the time. Positioning bad, Guzan. <laughs> he does it on free kicks all the time. Um, anyway, this past weekend, I I did that thing where every every couple of years I go to an MLS game just to make sure that my opinions on the league um, are still confirmed. Uh, once again. Really fun game day atmosphere at the stadium at the Red Bull Arena. It, it was definitely fun. I definitely understand um, why people enjoy going to these games, but the fans have to just stop pissing on my leg and telling me it's raining because yeah, there was soccer at this game between the Red Bulls and DC United, but um, to say that there was a moment of quality in this game would be stretching it at any point. <laughs> Oh well, um, th- those are those are two bad teams too. Well, uh, yeah, but like Bradley Wright Phillips is continuing to like tear this league apart. 
Yeah, that's okay. That that in and of itself is uh, that's illustrative. Yeah. You know, the pride of Plymouth Argyle. Like we actually had to look up where Bradley Ray Phillips came from because I was like, I was like, I swear he played for some lower division team with a P. Mm-hmm. And my friend was like, maybe Portsmouth, and I was like, it wasn't Portsmouth. Like, no, they're they're like, like they're green and they have like a white shirt. I was like, I was like, Portsmouth were good back when Bradley Wright Phillips were <laughs> was playing in England. Yep, and now Sean is with uh, Phoenix in the USL. Oh, and Didier Drogba. I mean, Sean Wright Phillips has England caps. Uh, Bradley Wright Phillips is scoring at a higher rate than any England striker not named Harry Kane. He can't even get a look. What does that say about the league? And yet, people want the American team to be made up of those players. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. It wasn't a good game. Yeah, tough titties. Uh, with that, we'll say <laughs> goodbye. We'll talk to you again later in the week. As always, follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Paulie's P. Quistel WFAN. And Elliot is Keats was better. And then he has a weird Instagram that I'm not even going to... I don't even remember what it was. So... Uh, just so it's not it. better than Keats. Yeah, exactly. Not exactly. Than no so, until next time, not have a good one. Bye bye.